Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Castle Talk, where we talk to writers and creators of today's genre worlds. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, publisher at Castlebridge Media, home of the Castle of Horror Anthology. Tonight... We're chatting with Michael Gingold, author of the book Ad Nauseam, newspaper newsprints from the 70s and 80s. It's a year-by-year dive into Gingold's own archive of over 700 ads. So as you flip through, it'll, it'll say like 1981, 1977, and you know 1975, and it'll show you Jaws, but not the poster, not necessarily the poster, but the ad, the ad that you would see in a newspaper. It's such a curious collection, and it is unputdownable. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, okay, so so I, I really, uh, you know, Joe Dante, the well-known director, um, did the uh, a very fawning introduction of this because he was clearly in the same, he had kind of caught the same bug of looking at newspaper ads. And I know when I was young, I remember laying on the ground and just looking at the newspaper ads for movies. Um, how did this book come together and and... You know, like why, why it's I, I said the truth. I can't put it down. How did this happen? And, you know, what uh, talk to me about the idea behind it? Well, I started collecting newspaper ads for horror films when I was about 12 years old. Um, uh-huh. The short version, I always say, is because it was cheaper than collecting posters. But really, back in those days, you know, this was the pre-Internet age. This was long before um, there was a the kind of horror community that we have now. And there wasn't a lot to collect from the films as such, you know, their VHS, you know, wasn't really a thing even. So this was a way to kind of uh, collect mementos of all the horror films that were coming out. And being an obsessive kid, I just went for everything. I scoured the newspapers uh, every Friday and also Wednesday. Sometimes movies would come out on Wednesday and just about ads for every horror film I could find. And I got to know which papers had the bigger ads, like the New York Times would have bigger ads for studio pictures, but Daily News or The Post would have bigger ads, sometimes the only ads for the independent horror films. And I I started doing it in 79, and I never really stopped until newspaper advertising in general just became kind of obsolete in the mid-2010s, I guess. Mm. Is it actually, uh, forgive my ignorance on this, but if I go out and I buy the Denver Post tonight, do they still run the, the big newspaper ads like they used to? Or is that stuff no. completely online now? No, it's it's mostly online. Um, you know, movie sections in most papers are two or three pages now. It used to be they'd be 20 pages or sometimes more depending on the city. But, you know, advertising for a film is all online now and um, or on television. Yeah. It, the, the newspaper advertising for movies barely exists anymore. I don't think I've looked in a newspaper for a movie ad 
seven years. So I, that's, that's funny. I actually do need to, to run out and, and take a look and see like, like what, what might actually be there. If I wanted to know what's playing at the AMC down the street from me, um, just like, like a, about a, a month ago, um, a buddy and I were disagreeing over whether we saw uh, the movie was called Night Game. It was a horror movie from like from the mid 90s, um, early 90s. And uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Scratch that. 89. Anyway, we we were arguing about what movie theater we went to see it at. And I actually managed to dig up um, what theater by by process of elimination, by going into the old Dallas Morning News, you know, listings and finally working out. Well, if it was a Friday night in 1989, it had to be here. And that other theater didn't exist. It was so it was so fun to like do that sort of detective work uh, into the past. I was wondering if you sometimes felt that way when you would come across an ad and, and maybe learn something that, that hadn't occurred to you before. Well, I mean, one of the things people have told me, um, especially when I'm at East Coast or uh, New York area conventions and they're looking at the book is they look at the ads and they see those listings on the bottom because we try to keep the listings attached to the ads as much yes. as possible when we reproduce them. Yeah. And they say, oh man, I, I grew up in this town in New Jersey and that's the theater that I went to and it's in this ad. And they would go through and, and they would find like all the theaters from their childhoods because most of the theaters that were around in the 80s don't exist anymore. Right. And, um, you know, and when I went back into the 70s, it was even more so because a lot of drive-ins started to close in the beginning of the 80s, but they're all around in the 70s and there were all yeah. these drive-ins listed there and now people look at that and they're like i went to that drive-in when i was a kid and um that's as much of a nostalgia factor for people in this area as the ads themselves of course people outside this part of the country won't have that but it was important for us to kind of keep those movie listings in there because that's really a whole part of the experience was looking at that ad figuring out where it's playing because again you couldn't look it up online you had to look in the paper to find out that kind of thing are all of these ads from one part of the country? I know some of them being yours personally, they would have to be, but some of them aren't. Um, there's a few, like when I would go on vacation, I would look around at, uh, you know, all the newspapers in the area where I was staying. Mm. Um, my family, we went up to Cape Cod a lot, so I have a few in there from Boston area papers. Uh, and every so often, there's a couple of fun random ones. Like we went on a trip through the Southwest in 1981, and uh, I saw an ad for an advanced uh, sneak preview screening of Death Valley, the Peter Billings. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I clicked that out and then it, it did not open theatrically for another nine or 10 months. And then with a completely different campaign. Wow. Uh, but the idea was because I, I grew up and still am in New York, it was very heavily focused on the New York area ads to kind of make it, to kind of give it some unity. Sure. And also we wouldn't have room for in a book for all the ads from all over the country because there would be variant ads for different films movies would open under different titles. If we included all the ads for the stuff from the 70s and 80s from every city in the country, it would be about four times thicker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking in terms of if you're just looking for, you, you have an ad for pieces and it just so happens the only one you have is from Maryland because that's just the only one you have, then I guess you would, you would be, you'd be stuck with that one. Um, there are so many films in here that I was shocked that I had not heard of, you know, and, and I think to me, that's, that's the most amazing thing is because you'll have a film that of course you've heard of, like, like pieces. And then across from it will be something like, I'm looking at this. It's a movie called Dracula blows his cool from <laughs> what is this? 1983. Well, I've never heard of that. But I know that I'm going to go look it up on YouTube because it's probably terrible, but I definitely have to see it. So, you know, and and this this film, I mean, this uh, this book is just a wonderful way of just discovering stuff. Um, but I do want to mention that on that same uh, while we're on pieces, the movie pieces uh, 
1983, you have, you've collected uh, reviews. So one thing that you've also done in editing this book is you've added in kind of some essays and a little bit of history here and there where it seems pertinent. Yeah, well, I would also collect reviews uh, when I was growing up as well, uh, mostly mm. from the New York papers for a while. But then when I went to NYU in their library, they had this thing called Newsbank, which was huh. microfiche of clipping through newspapers all over the country sure. and it was all separated they have like sports and they would have uh you know local history and then they would have movie reviews and i spent countless hours down in the bowels of that library just out all these reviews of horror films from all over the country not really knowing what i was going to do with them and then yeah. years later um i decided to, to give it some extra context because a lot of the times well not a lot of the times but sometimes the reviews of a particular film would not be what you might expect. I found positive reviews of films you wouldn't expect them to have. And then, for example, when we went back to do the 70s and we did Jaws, I thought it was fun to be like, this movie is an acknowledged masterpiece, but let's see yes. if we can find four or five reviews from the time that did not care for it or had negative right. things. Just, just for some fun contrast, and we were able to do that. You mentioned uh, in your... Uh, or, or maybe it's in Joe Dante's introduction, but that sometimes the, the poster... I'm going to ask you about titles in a second, but sometimes the poster is different from the ad, you know, and uh, why, why is that? And why are they sometimes better? Uh, well, sometimes um, there would be different, like, a, for example, New World Pictures would try out a certain campaign in one city, and if it didn't work, change the title and mm. the poster and the ad for a different city. And uh, it's funny, I'm just writing about this for the next issue of Fangoria. Um, yeah. Galaxy of Terror had two other titles before it became Galaxy of Terror. Really? Uh, it was called Mind Warp and Infinity of Terror, and then it became Planet of Horrors, and then it became Galaxy of Terror. So for most of the country, and now on video, everyone knows it as Galaxy of Terror, but yeah. in some of other cities, I don't know if there were ever posters, I imagine there must have been, posters would be generated for Mind Warp and Planet of Horrors. Wow. Um, and in other cases, um, some sub-distributors especially Aquarius releasing, would take elements of the campaign and kind of chop them up and make their own uh, campaigns out of them. Uh, or sometimes you'd have a great, uh, I remember, what was it? I think Slaughter High uh -huh. had this really nice looking piece of art in the newspaper ad. And then I went to the theater and the poster was this thing that looked like an elementary school Halloween dance poster. It was right. like a skeleton on a yellow bag. It, it just looked awful. Um, but the newspaper ad had a much more intricate kind of design for it. So um I mean, and that's that's really the fun of this is finding those variant ads. Um, getting Absolutely. back to Jaws, I have the one where it's all like interviews with people about how many times they've seen Jaws. Um, when Gremlins opened, it played through the entire summer. So they had uh, ads themed for the Olympics and back to school and Fourth of July. And uh, I, again, that's the real fun thing is to have a lot of ads in there that do not look like the posters we all know and love. No, um, that's one. I mean, I have a favorite film called Tower of Evil which is from, oh, yeah. like, I want to say like 69 or something like that. But you have here that it got re-released in 81 and to just sort of piggyback off of Carpenter's The Fog, they called it, they just renamed it Beyond the Fog. And mm -hmm. so it has an all new title. Did they actually change the title cards in the movie? Or, uh, or You know, it's or, funny. I never saw it under that title. I, I imagine they probably did. Uh, one of the funnier things is there's a movie in there called Deathbed. Uh, yeah. Not Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. That's a different one. But yet another Deathbed. <laughs> yeah, this, this was a medical thriller that was originally called Terminal Choice. Mm. And so I went to see the film, and it was a fairly big budget movie. It had a couple of recognizable actors, and it had these very fancy opening titles with the, the words kind of zooming off the screen. It's like, so it's like, 
a so-and-so yeah. production of a so-and-so film. And then all of a sudden this red on black title card comes up, deathbed. <laughs> By the way, and I'm convinced Tarantino has seen it because the same thing happens in Death Proof. If you watch the opening of that, it has these fancier opening titles and then Death Proof. I'm sure. Then, I'm absolutely I certain. I may be the only person who thought of this, but it reminded me of seeing Deathbed and, and sitting in that theater going, well, clearly this had a different title yeah. before this other company got it and stuck this you know, cheap little new title into the print. That's amazing. Well, I mean, it, it kind of makes, makes movie... Um, movie distribution just seemed like the wild west like a really fun back then yeah <laughs> you know it was like i don't know we're like for instance i read i don't know if you covered this in this book at all but you know in rhode island um it was some title that i can't remember what I, but it, the title ended in blood and um and they changed it in rhode island to crimson because there was just some state law that said that a film release couldn't have the title blood in it so it had to be it had to be crimson instead of blood and i just thought that was hilarious that you needed a special title and ad ad campaign and so forth just for just for rhode island um yeah every so often something would be um for example i have the ad for vampire hookers of horror which mm -hmm. by the is just vampire hookers i'm sure hookers yeah vampire hookers when you went to see it but in the ad they said vampire hookers of horror Oh my but gosh. the tagline on the poster says warm blood isn't all they suck. But I right. guess standards and practices in the paper forbade that. So it's warm blood isn't all they're after. All they're after. Yeah. Uh, that's a good song, by the way. I mean, the va Vampire Hookers, that is not a good movie. Not for nothing. No. <laughs> but uh, John Carradine, bless his heart, is doing things like quoting Coleridge and stuff. I, I don't completely. It's it's a that's a that's a very. We spent a whole 90 minutes talking about that movie, which is unbelievable to me that we were able to get 90 minutes out of that for the podcast. Yeah. But well, one, um, one thing that I remember reading about, I, I, I couldn't cover it here, is there's a movie called Witchfire with Shelley hmm. Winter that never opened in New York uh, unless okay. it wound up in a grindhouse on 42nd Street. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's, I don't think it's a witchcraft movie. I think it's a woman escapes from a, an asylum. Huh. But they had a, I remember I read the tagline when they opened it down south was, mental illness was never this much fun. Oh my and God. And so much trouble with mental health advocates down there. And there's That's this huge unbelievable. And so they had to, they immediately had to go in and change the, the uh, tag for that. So that kind of stuff was happening fairly frequently back then. This is this is just unbelievable to go through. What's amazing to me is is a lot of the ads look extremely good. I assume what you've done is you've taken your tear sheets. Sometimes if something's not in good enough shape, you've gone and tried to source it somewhere else, right? Or, or how did you actually go about this? Um, well, I started collecting the ads in 79 and I would very carefully cut them out and put them in folders or manila envelopes arranged by year. Mm. So you know, a lot of people told me that they would put ads in scrapbooks and I never did because I always felt, well, if I had to tape or glue it in, if I ever had to remove it, it would damage it to take yeah. the tape and glue off. So I just very carefully filed them all away, you know, never thinking I was going to do anything with them like this at first. Um, so we put out the first edition of this book a few years ago when it was just the 80s. And then a lot of people started asking, well, are you ever going to do the 70s? Because that was also a great period for horror newspaper advertising. Sure. And at first, it, it kind of seemed like cheating because, you know, I, I wasn't collecting them. I have to go do it online. And mm -hmm. I figured, well, one can do that. Well, two years later, nobody had. And yes. um, my publisher was talking about... Um, you know, we, we sold out our first two printings and he said, for the third printing, let's do something really special and expand it. Mm -hmm. And so 
he basically we we expanded it to the absolute minute or maximum that we could without it getting unreasonable in terms of pricing and the amount of paper it was going to yeah. require. But as it says on the cover, we were able to get 125 new pages. And I spent um, several months going through all these online uh, newspaper archives and finding all ads and found almost every i kind of had a master list of 70s horror films i was looking for and i managed to find almost all of them and again all focused on the new york area so it was consistent with the rest of the book i see yeah i was just wondering like you know you pick a pick any random movie the reincarnation of peter proud how would you do that you're, you're going through like a, a new york newspaper on uh archive and just try to find a i guess yeah. you would know the friday that it came out so you, at least you could bring up that newspaper and just find an ad for it, maybe. Well, sometimes I would know the because especially back in the 70s, movies would be released regionally. Mm. So would, there would be no date that a movie opened nationwide. It would open New York one week and Atlanta the next and Texas after that. And so, you know, I would have to, I mean, to be honest, what I did was after a certain point, just went through every single Friday edition and Wednesday too, because back in the 70s, a lot more movies open on Wednesdays. Just went through every Wednesday and Friday paper I could find and just see what was in there. Right. And I discovered as much as I was actively looking for, like movies that, that I thought were very obscure and that I thought had never gotten much of a theatrical release. I would see these big ads yeah. in the paper for them. The, the, the big one was um, The Incredible Torture Show, which is the original title of Bloodsucking Freaks. Uh, it was, it was yeah. released in 76 as Incredible Torture Show. It didn't become Bloodsucking Freaks till the early 80s when Troma got their hands on it. No kidding. And, you know, it was X-rated back then, and I thought it had just kind of played on the porn circuit, and porn films rarely got terribly large ads. Sure. But I found this ad, it was two-thirds of the page in the paper, and it had, and it played in a few kind of legitimate uh, mainstream theaters as well. So wow. that was one of the big surprises as far as finding an ad that was bigger and than I would have expected to find for that film. That's That's wonderful. I just spotted one for The House of Exorcism, which is which is Lisa and the devil plus some odd exorcism footage that, that yeah. they, they popped in to make a new movie, which is just, I just love how that, that works. I'm going to use your book just to go through and find movies that I haven't, that I haven't, I mean, I've watched that, that one, but that I haven't watched. When you talk to people, when you're at these conventions, um, do people come up and like, like what is, what is people's main response to it? Is it like mine where it's like, oh, wow, this is a whole way of finding new stuff or what? Well, a lot of people, um, like I was saying before, it, it just brings back memories. It's, mm. it's largely people who grew up in the area. Um, yeah. you know, like these conventions, it's largely in the East coast, New York, New Jersey, et cetera. And, and a lot of them just say, oh yeah, you know, I remember being a kid and going through the paper. Yeah. I've got a res lot of responses like that online as well, where people say, you know, when I was a kid, I'd look at the paper every Friday and see what sure. was playing. Either, you know, if I was old enough, I'd go to see it. Or if I was too young, I would clip the ads out and save them. <laughs> really hits a nostalgia bone for a lot of people. I mean, so I'm I telling you, you don't have to be from New York to feel it. I came from Texas, but it's the same ads. It's the same stuff. And so I, this is, this is an amazing, you've done an amazing job because this is a thing that did not exist before. And now it does. And that's really a wonderful service that you've done. I, I, I just have to say that. Absolutely. Um, okay. So the book, I, I know that this book came out, came out in the fall and we're just now talking about it, but, um, but it's called Ad Nauseum, Newsprint Nightmares from the 70s and 80s. But there, you've actually got a couple of follow-ups to it. So do you want to tell us real quick about, about what those are? Yeah, well, after the first one, the first edition came out and was very successful, um, I'd been collecting through the 90s and 
2000s. So I did Ad Nauseum 2, mm -hmm. which covered those decades of horror in which you can see all these different trends kind of come and go. And, and like you what? can see how uh, well, people started using color in newspaper ads. Oh. The types yeah. of movies changing. The reason we didn't do just a book on the 90s is the 90s was when video really took over horror. And there were very few theatrical releases. I think in 1994, there were like 15 theatrical horror releases in the New York area. Mm. So we decided to combine it with the 2000s, which is when you started to see horror films being kind of treated like art films almost. Mm. Like films that used to open in drive-ins and on 42nd Street would now open as kind of art films if they were foreign, like uh, Della Morte Della Morte or Cemetery yeah. Man. Yeah. That opened in a couple of really high-class theaters released by a major independent company, whereas in the 70s, it would have been retitled. Well, it was retitled Absolutely. Anyway, but it would have been probably retitled something much more garish than Cemetery Man. Absolutely. Second Street. Uh, and then I also collected science fiction movie ads. So we did a book called Ad Astra, you know, before we knew about the movie, the same title. And that has all the Star Wars and Star Trek and all, all the great sci-fi films from the 80s and 90s are represented there. You know, all the Spielberg. I definitely have to read that. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like flipping through an old episode of an, an old issue of Starlog or something. I mean that that, oh, that sounds that sounds really great. Wow, um, Michael Gingold, I I am I am so pleased that you would take the time to talk about this. Good luck with your your Fangoria writing, and and I I I just I can't wait to read whatever else you've got because this has been such a delight to look at, and I hope that everybody that listens to this runs out and gets it because this is something a horror fan needs. Um, thank you so thank much. You so much. Have a wonderful evening. I'll talk to you soon. You too.